This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. It's always great to start the day with you. And if you ever want to get a hold of us, you can email us at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. We always enjoy getting emails and engaging with you. And so if you have questions that you have, just maybe you have some concerns that you don't know whom else to share those with, and we would be happy to engage with you and pray for you. So that's the gospel for life, Idaho at gmail.com. We've been dealing with some question and answers about us as pastors, about pastoral ministry, about life in the church. Yesterday we ended by talking about what is our favorite part of doing pastoral ministry? What brings us the most joy? On the flip side of that is, what is there about pastoral ministry that has brought you the most sadness? Personally, it's been, uh, we, I've had a few suicides in congregations that I've pastored, and so ministering to those uh, left behind and dealing with some of the fallout of the believer or the person suffering who's decided to take their life, and the hopelessness, that, that's been that's just a burden once you, you it's placed in your bucket you just carry it mm-hmm. I think that uh, you know the thing that brings the most sadness is um, trying to sh- show somebody the truth that rejects it and mm-hmm. uh, you know the, it might might show up during a time of uh, discipline or admonishment you know you're you're trying to encourage somebody you know that the path that they're choosing is going to bring them sadness and hardship into their life and you know we we can only proclaim God's truth. We we don't can't force somebody to believe it. We can't force them to change their mind. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And I think that in many ways, you know, the thing that has brought me the most grief is knowing that this person is still far from God, and uh, that will and and then. When your life crisscrosses theirs again, and you realize they still are rejecting God, those those things I, I bear. I, I bear. I feel a responsibility toward that person that won't go away. Yeah. I think there are disagreements that happen within a church. There's differences of opinion. There's you know, mm-hmm. might sense the you know wanting to go a different direction. And I think what's has made me the most sad is. That when people make something that wasn't personal, personal, mm, yeah. When people assign a motive, yeah. I've often said I I rarely know my own motives. Mm. How am I equipped to to assign a motive to somebody else? I yeah. I rarely know my own heart. Mm. Um, but s- sometimes people have been quite quick. Mm-hmm. to assign a mode and you want to say wait i've been with you for so long mm-hmm. really this is where you... and so those are those are hard for me those are sad moments like because it 
it, it's I don't mind disagreeing with people. That's okay. We, yeah. We're not all made the same. It's okay to have a different opinion. But to take a difference of opinion and make it personal and hurtful and you move into a, almost a little bit of attack mode, that's hard for me. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that uh, you know one of the challenges that we face is one of the strongest emotions that we have to deal with is the fact of rejection, mm-hmm. and everybody knows that in their own life. But in a pastoral ministry, you know, for there, you you might feel that rejection at different times. I think back to David in Psalm fifty-five. When he, he's saying, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man of my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. And he's talking about you know, the fact that it came from inside. Mm, yeah. that, that, I, I do think that, that David's, David's sense of saying, I could handle the enemy, I could handle this person on the outside, but the fact that it comes from inside, that that rejection that comes from the inside is probably one of the most painful that we deal with in ministry. And related to this sadness, discouraging, frustrating, I I understand that sometimes in a in the life of a church as a member you might say we're no longer a good fit for this congregation um, mm-hmm. either the congregation has has moved slightly or you move slightly and you realize you know what nothing personal but i just might not align myself any longer in in the same way that i i feel as mm-hmm. strongly about laboring with this particular congregation i get that that happens over time i think it should be a rare yeah. occurrence i don't think it should be the norm we're not a buffet um, mm-hmm. in the christian church yeah but there are just times when people leave the church very, very poorly. Mm-hmm. You well, should... my, my, own, well, my own regret is a premature, premature leaving of a congregation where I left, and that would be my regret. Yeah. I, if I can do, if I've done that, others have done that too. I yeah. think that that brought me more pain than anything because I I gave up, and well, and and. Communication is so important. You don't. You never should just sneak out the back door. Yeah, ghosting is not a thing in the Christian church. Yes, mm-hmm. and and people kind of talk about it and say, "Well, I didn't think you were entitled to." I'm like, "We're a family. Mm-hmm. Whatever has happened in the church, the other party is always entitled to communication." And people have left the church, and we kind of were like, "Wait." We haven't seen them for a while, and then we followed up with them, and then they'll be like, well, we were on vacation. We, and they make all these excuses, and at the end of the day, they were actually actively looking at other churches during that time period. And when we've tried to contact them to say, hey, are there concerns? We're concerned about what, And then to deliberately to, to deceive, I mean, I don't know how else to graciously even say it. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a compartment for that. Right. I, mean, I really don't. Like, wait, just be honest. Yeah. Be honest about your concerns. Be honest about what's going on. And let's have an adult conversation about church life. You don't sneak out the back door. Yeah. I try not to speak for other pastors, but maybe for the three of us at least. Um, I, I think that's what we would want in our heartbeat is if you are mm-hmm. thinking about leaving your church is 
we're we're not going to try to convince you, as Jonathan said, against your will to make you stay. But we do want to help you leave in a way that reflects maturity, so that you can both be an asset to your next church, and that we can heal as a church and maybe learn some things as a congregation. I think the you know the the sadness that is a joy in one sense is when the sadness is when somebody has to move away for a job or yeah. a, or a, a new location and uh, the joy is staying in contact with those people yeah, it's beautiful um, because i you know i mean i get i get calls from washington state from kansas from other places i i got a letter from somebody that went all the way back to princeton to go to school this week asking advice there's a joy in the fact that um, you still operate in their lives. There's a sadness that you can't be doing it together on a regular basis. Yep. And I, I think just to circle back to what Vinny was saying, because I think it is so vitally important, both parties should learn and grow through every experience. And so if you're leaving a church without communication, there is no learning, there is no growth that occur, can occur on either side of, of, the, of the aisle. And so it always 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 communication is fundamental and and key and i know it's hard but we're not called to an easy life we're called to to be faithful and holy life yeah Yeah. and and i think you owe it to a church family to have those those conversations and when you don't you you really are hurting both yourself and the church that you're leaving. And, and I would encourage you, if you've moved out of state or if you've gotten from where you used to go to worship, send a letter back to your pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, you know Hebrews says, uh, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. I think that that is a – you have a way of encouraging that doesn't even exist within, the, within your present church. You can actually say things to them after you've left that you wouldn't ordinarily say that would just go to their ego unnecessarily, but just a way of uh, communicating that they had uh, a value in your Christian growth. So last thing for today is, have you found a good way of dealing with critics and criticism in ministry? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this this was really hard early in my pastoral ministry. Um, everything felt like an arrow to the heart, but I would say – Critics who sign their name or who, or who have identified themselves, I try to deal with them head on and take and make mm-hmm. them into coaches. So mm-hmm. they're going to critique me on something. What can I learn? And try to ask myself that question and not become defensive. Anything that's unsigned or is anonymous goes in the garbage. I just It's got no credit. We, we have a saying in our board meetings, they, that is the unnamed group, has no power mm-hmm. over me or over mm-hmm. our leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a good point. I I think that I heard a pastor one time say, you may be right, but you're probably wrong. And uh, that puts things in context for me. They may be right. They're probably wrong. And if I, if I can say that, uh, I can begin to evaluate where I think I need to change. Or I, I found that sometimes I'm just not great at, so when people come with, a question sometimes I, I have not I've taken it on its face value that they're actually asking a question and then I realize they're actually just making a criticism mm-hmm. that they don't actually care about the question yeah mm-hmm. and so then I found those conversations to be hard like oh this wasn't actually you wondering you were wanting to attack 
you were one and demonstrate that you were right. That's yeah, criticism masked by curiosity. Yes. And so then in those moments, I don't do as well because I've started down the wrong path. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've started down the, I thought we were having a conversation. I didn't realize this mm-hmm. was just an opportunity for you to take some, you know, make it a drive-by shooting. Mm-hmm. And so those I haven't dealt as well. And now I've I've kind of learned to to kind of step back and before I engage with, are they actually asking a question or are they just trying to, are they making a statement in the form of a question or are they actually yeah. asking a question? Yeah. And that has helped me because if they're making a statement, then I move towards a, a position of non-engagement. Mm-hmm that I've found it not to be that productive, that I just let them get off their chest what they want to get off their chest and just take it and then don't engage. And I found it to be counterproductive to engage with somebody that quote unquote knows they're right. And it wasn't a question. It was a one-sided monologue. Um, So then I, I, I've just learned to try to read the criticism better. Yeah. I've tried to approach folks with problems to and ask what they're what they're thinking a solution might be mm-hmm. what their desired outcome mm-hmm. would be i don't always have to be the answer person and maybe they've got maybe there's a real legitimate problem and maybe there is a legitimate solution that they've brought that they're ready to bring and implement but i always try to ask what what's their desired outcome if it's just right. to complain then they've complained and we're done mm-hmm. 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 and i try to make it be that they they can't do the the church as if it's something outside of themselves right that I tried to bring it back and say, you realize we're all part of the church. Yep, you're in it. So if mm-hmm. this is a problem of the church, then you are also part of the problem, which means great news. You also get to be part of the solution. And mm-hmm. I think that's helped mm-hmm. me and, and hopefully them. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life, and it's been a joy to be with you, and we'll see you tomorrow.